Well, church, we're going to be all over Scripture today. Uh, so if you have your Bible out, you can start off with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's where we'll begin this morning, but we'll, we'll be going uh, through 1 and 2 Corinthians. We'll spend some time in Philippians and in Philemon. So um, all over the place, we'll have a little time and space to, to move uh, through that. Uh, and today was a day I, I normally, uh, I really normally try to memorize the majority of my notes. Uh, but today I just didn't want to get anything out of whack. Uh, there are things that are important, and part of that is letting you know something about me, and I hope it's true about you too, because then that would make me feel a little less awkward. Um, there's a story I read, I don't know if it's true or not, quite honestly, uh, about Alexander the Great, and there was a, a, a young man in his uh, army as he walked up on a group one day that was just kind of sloppier than the rest of the troops. He was not as focused, he was not just on his game in the same way, and and as the story goes, Alexander stopped and said, what's your name, young man? And he said, with pride, it's Alexander. And, uh, and, and Alexander the Great responds to him, either change your habits or get a new name. And I don't know about you, but that stuck with me. I read that in some youth ministry illustration book back in 1996. And that's still with me today. And because there's a secret here that, that really plays into our vision. Last week we talked about how we want to be a place where real life happens. Today we get into the, the crooks of our vision statement in that. And so this all is going somewhere. Uh, when I read the Bible, I, I love all of Scripture. But I'll be honest with you, because my name is David, not because of X, Y, or Z reason, but, but when I see the name David in Scripture, I can't help but ask God questions about how my life is in line with or measuring up to, um, to David in Scripture. And, and as I, I read through that, there's one story in particular that, that hits me the hardest, and it's hit me since I was a teenager. Uh, and it was about David's life when he decided to take a census to see how big his kingdom was. And his men said, don't do it. You don't need to do that. We can do a lot of other things. And, and David went forward, and his decision was a sin of pride against God. And God came back and, and he shared with David, okay, you, you have some options here of discipline. And all of these options of discipline impact your entire nation, the entire kingdom. And David's, he's saying, but, but I have done wrong. I have sinned. So, so let's just, just you and me work this thing out, basically. And God said, that's, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Your, your sin as the, the leader has consequences for everyone. Well, I, I remember that as a teenager and still today, some 30 some odd years later. I look into that and I, I say, Lord, you have woven into the fabric of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation the reality that the church the true church is a community, not a cooperation of individuals. And, and our, our lives and our actions play into one another. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of my favorite um, historians, uh, theologians to, to read about, read his words. He says, where you find community, there you'll find leadership. And I thought, boy, I like it when I agree with people who are wise. 
Because in my heart and in my mind, I don't know that there's such a thing as leadership that is healthy, definitely not leadership that is biblical, where it is not community. And again, don't get me wrong, you can lead an army of people who have no desire for one another or for you. We fought plenty of wars based on that, but scripture calls us to be a community. And this is deeper and grander, maybe than anything that we've leaned into in our, our life before. Because we, we love to excel, celebrate our uniqueness, don't we? we? We love to lean into our uniqueness. And you are, you are special. Your mom was not lying to you. You're special. You're unique. But you weren't created unique so that you could be different. You were created unique so that you could be a part of the whole of Jesus Christ and the plan God has for you. And, and so I want you to be aware of that. If we turn the pages of Scripture, whether David or Moses or Ruth or Esther, whether they're, they're in the pages of, of Matthew or in the letters of Paul, it was never the competency of men and women that caused the great things of the kingdom to occur. It was the presence of the Almighty God. And in that context, God chose by design for that to be revealed and acted out in community. And so as our vision team was, was laying out our, our vision statement to be a community of faith that glorifies God, that was the foundation to do it through the word of God to do it through impacting our circles to do it through empowering believers those are the avenues through which we will accomplish our goal and our goal is to be a community of faith that glorifies God and we don't believe it can happen without those things but, but I need you and I to lean into this and I don't, I don't know any other way than through prayer for the Holy Spirit to let his words and his culture that he has breathed in to impact our lives over the next 30 minutes. I don't think I can be persuasive enough. I don't think our vision team could lay it out in 30 minutes. So would you for a moment just bow your head with me and invite the Lord to be present? Father God, Lord, today we're going to be talking about something that has been in the church lingo my whole life and well before. And yet, God, it has been lost underneath the pages of individuals and uniquenesses and, and misdirection. So God, I, I ask today your spirit would let an old word be new life in this place Lord that we would receive it with all that you've given us all that you have made us to be that we would not look back of, of what we've experienced but we would live in this moment in your word in Jesus name Amen 
uh, growing up, I, I got into Bible studies after I surrendered my, my life to Christ and answered the call to ministry, started reading Bible studies and did experiencing God. Anyone else ever do experiencing God as a Bible says as a kid? If you were like me, that was the first time I did any kind of real Bible study. So I did the first three pages uh, like 10 times over three years. I don't think I finished it in the first setting because it was, it was difficult. And so finally working through it, uh, Henry Blackaby uh, revealed and pulled forward a word from Scripture that's used throughout the New Testament, a word called koinonia. And, and koinonia in, in English doesn't mean a whole lot to us. We don't, we don't go around talking about our koinonia. We don't talk about our family koinonia. This is not a word we throw around, but there's some richness to it that is biblical and in God's Word that is unpacked and takes multiple words of Scripture to understand. And so I've got a little phrase that's going to come up on the screen for you. If there's any note that you take today, if there's anything that you write down, this should be what you write down. To be a community of faith that glorify God means this, that we commit to be a fellowship of partners who share and contribute to God's mission together. That's what, when we say we are to be a community of faith that glorifies God, we are literally just unpacking a biblical word. That a, that a community of faith that glorifies God is a fellowship of partners who share and contribute to God's mission together. If, if you define community any other way, that's all right. That's just that you're in the wrong church. And I don't say that flippantly, because if we're not of one heart, if we define this differently, if we miss this out, if we think community just means a hello and a high five on a Sunday morning, then we will miss the Spirit of God moving for lack of paying attention. So, so I want you to know the joy of this is that this is what I've always desired. And I realized somewhere along my life's journey that it wasn't a David Adams desire, that it was the design of God that his people live in community, authentic community with one another in a way that brings him glory every time we're together. I mean, let's be honest, COVID's revealed that, right? And it broke up some of our core DNA. Our, our, our small groups weren't able to gather. We weren't able to spend time together in this place. Listen, men's softball shut down, which was an act of grace. But we also have a great time when we're together. All of those things were stripped away. And you know that feeling of just weariness, of disconnectedness, of just emptiness? That's because for a season of life, Many of us and around the world were living outside of who God made them to be as a community of faith. You were made for so much more. You were, you were designed by God for greater things. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says about how our community and our unity looks. Verse 12 says this, for just as the body is one and has many members, and the member, all members are all, all the members of the body, though many are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. 
For the body doesn't consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 21, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, indispensable, and on those parts of the body we think less honorable we bestow the great honor the unpres the, excuse me our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which are more presentable parts do not require but god has so composed the body giving greater honor the parts that lacked it that there may be no division in the body that there may be members that the members may have the same care for one another if one member suffers all suffer if one member is honored all rejoice together there's so much in this passage I, I hope as you listen to it you heard God's place for you in the body and not just about other people my prayer is is that you listen to the words that the spirit inspired Paul to write to the church at Corinth which very much mirrors a whole lot of what we're engaging with in our culture and community I hope what you heard is God's place for me is one there's a singular place for you did you catch it there's there's one place God designed your uniqueness to work and that is as one with the body of Christ he, 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 did you notice he didn't like send the hand on a mission in scripture did you did you see that God didn't uh, elevate and say you know the feet you guys are really awesome you do all the running and, and whatnot you know y'all just have your day the rest of us are going to sit here the, the Lord has designed you uniquely to be a part of his body this community of faith and if it is the Lord's body, so to speak, his bride, well, what does the bride do on her wedding day? Man, brings glory to the room and to the husband she's walking to. There's something about this passage that must come into our DNA that we have to know that God has given us a mission and it's not a solo mission. That, that God is gonna give us something to celebrate, but it's never to celebrate ourselves. I, I remember the surrender to the call of, of pastoring. And, and I remember Christy's fear in that. You, you can be the youth guy's kids and everybody loves you because the youth guy, he's supposed to be a little bit off, amen? Like that's actually part of our what we're looking for you're supposed to be a little bit off and so their kids have to put up with that that's good but what we had seen and grown up with is and we got to experience was if you were the pastor's kids then really everybody hoped you would fail secretly to make them feel better about their personal struggles and, and I know that's very general 
but we have been approached enough and celebrated the faults and failures of our kids enough through our life that we know there's some people out there. And so when we surrendered to the pastorate, we had to lay that down before the Lord. We had, to, we had to put it before God because we realized not everyone who comes to church desires to be a fellowship of partners who share and contribute to the mission of God together. And therefore, if you succeed as a part of the church and they do not, there's no celebration. There, there's antagonism. Church, we are not called to be that church. Amen. If I'm having a rough day and you're winning the Parent of the Year Award, praise Jesus that in our body, although part is struggling, the Lord has made part healthy so that we can endure the season. You see, that's a community of faith. The word koinonia just unpacks all of this. Maybe the most familiar is in Acts chapter 40. Two, excuse me chapter 2 verse 42 it's the most familiar we hit it a few weeks ago and you can turn there in your scripture the bible shows us that after the holy spirit came in on the day of pentecost after people were wondering what was going on after peter shared the gospel when people were being baptized left and right and great in number at the very end acts chapter 42 chapter 2 verse 42 says and so they devoted themselves to the teaching to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayers. Church, listen, there is a reason and a purpose that God included at the foundation of the church people devoted to the fellowship. He could have very easily just said people devoted themselves to the word and to the Lord's Supper. If he would have said that, every Baptist church in America would be all right. Because then, then we could just devote ourselves to making our heads more knowledgeable about the things of gospel. And we could go through the rituals and routines of our daily life. The problem is, if you leave out the fellowship, you have routine. You have a pharisaical invitation to the gospel. And the Spirit didn't allow that, so he chose to use the word. They devoted themselves to the koinonia, to a deep sharing of life together. That's what the fellowship means. Now, I know some of you in here, some of you thought fellowship meant Sunday afternoon lunch with other people on church grounds. Amen? And don't get me wrong, that's fellowship. It came before breaking of bread in Scripture also, right? Like, we know that that is fellowship. But, but when we fellowship that way, the goal is that we taste, that we have an appetizer of who God calls us to commit to be day in and day out. You see, if we're going to be a community of faith that glorifies God, then we have to commit to deep knowing of one another. And that has to be a marker of our community. Now, as you wrestle with that, you have a choice in this moment. And I'll tell you which one to choose. 
The choice is I can look back at my story 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years long and I can say I've never experienced that. It's too late to start now. I hope someone else gets it. Or you can say the best time to plant an oak tree was 30 years ago but the second best time is when, church? Today. Today, I commit to understanding that to live biblically, that if I am going to bring glory to God, that it must be done with a commitment to deep, meaningful relationships with other believers. And as hard as that may be to find, I'm going to seek it out. We, we use small groups as that avenue. COVID is making us re redefine, relook at what that is. But don't wait on anybody else. Are you willing to commit to fellowship? But but that's not all koinonia means. It's it's a fellowship of partners. If you have your Bible, you can look with me into Philippians. We love Philippians. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. Paul is writing this letter that is full of a preacher's wonder. There's so much good in this. There's so many inspiring nuggets. There's to live as Christ. I mean, we just we pull into all that Paul says, but listen to what Philippians chapter 1 verse 3 through 5 says. I thank God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now let me replace it with the right Greek word just so you'll know where koinonia is. Paul says in verse 4, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your koinonia in the gospel. From the first day until now. Koinonia in the gospel. What does that even mean? Let me give you a picture of it. Many of you have this small koinonia in your home. I, ha I have a koinonia with my wife. It is a committed, intimate fellowship. Amen? That, that, that better be part of your marriage. If it's not, it's all right. We've gone through seasons where our koinonia was struggled. Get back to it. But with my wife, we've entered into this agreement, this covenant called marriage. And we face battles together with children, with jobs, with life. But our koinonia falls underneath our covenant, our mission. It, I do not have the same mission with any of you as I have with my wife. Amen? Amen. You, Listen, you can look at your wife and say, it's a, it's a duo mission here, right? You can tell us, we're in on this one. I have a different koinonia in this sense, but you can see the picture. She and I, because of what we are in together, this thing called marriage, this covenant agreement, we have a special bond that makes us partners in ways that no one else can be partners with us with. Now, let's pull that into Bible, into the, into the biblical understanding of what a community of faith that glorifies God looks like. When we say that we are a, a community of faith, then we are a fellowship, a deep agreeing understanding, a, a commitment to one another on a mission as partners. What binds us? What is our covenant agreement? What does Philippians chapter five, chapter, excuse me, chapter one, verse five say? 
because of your partnership in the what? The gospel. Do you, do you realize that the gospel gives you and I something in common with everyone in this room, men and women all across the world, that nothing else does? We are celebrating the countries we're from right now. We are celebrating the different colors of our skin. We are, we are articulating the uniqueness of, of gender identity, whatever that means. Our, our world to get to unity is trying to bring people together by articulating our differences. And that is the only strategy the world has. But God has created a different strategy. And the strategy is not borders. It is not colors. It is not male and female. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, that alone is our mission. That is what breaks every change. That is what changes hearts. That is what the world will see and will say, why do they look different? Why do so many different people, poor, wealthy, wise, um, common, whatever, why do they gather in such unique love for one another? It is because the gospel has brought us into a partnership that we would not have without him. Church, when we say we will be a community of faith that glorifies God, we are a fellowship of knowing one another deeply, but only because we are partners in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is greater, that is greater than our uniquenesses and our differences. And so what Paul says in Philippians here is consider what you have experienced in part under a covenant of men or of marriage and realize that a community of faith that glorifies God has to confess that what has brought us together is Jesus. We are a community of faith that is a fellowship of partners who share in God's mission. Look in your Bible with me. In the book of Philemon, this is not God's design or he didn't include it here by accident. The book of Philemon written to a, a slave owner whose former slave has run away and come to know Jesus Christ. has become a brother in the faith. The gospel has made them partners where they weren't partners before. Verse 4 through 6. I thank God always when I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear of your love and of the faith you have towards the Lord Jesus for all the saints. And I pray that the koinonia of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Verse 6. If you read this with the wrong eyes, you're going to think this is about evangelism because your Bible says sharing. But when we read it in the context of God's word, understanding that his call and his people is to be a community of faith that glorifies him. 
then we see that when Paul writes these words, and I pray that the koinonia of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for Christ's sake, what he is saying is, I am praying that your fellowship, of which you are partners in for the sake of Christ, is not being held for just those whom you want to have parties with I'm praying that a true authentic sharing of your life with others like Philemon will be effective for you to develop and to engage in a full knowledge of every good thing that's in us for the sake of Christ church did you realize that 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 word, we, we use fellowship, but that word koinonia, this community of faith that glorifies God, do you realize that what it means is, is that we are partners in sharing what God has given us? If you and I want to carry the gospel into the world, then they can't see one hero go here, another hero go there, while everyone else sits in the stands. They need to see us together. Because I'm telling you, it's when your street is full of cars and your yard is full of people who are engaged in deep, meaningful relationship, who are partners because of the gospel and you share life together and you serve your community together and you carry out the mission of God together that not only do they see it, but you start to understand the effective knowledge of God as a church. See, don't get me wrong, we are all called to be evangelists. But you and I are called to be a community of faith that brings glory to God, that gives us understanding of God's call on our life together. So it's not just you and I picking random people trying to help God out because he seems like he's not doing so good because let's call it, call it like it is Islam is growing a little bit faster than Christianity right now so we're not trying to help God out maybe the problem is we've been helping too much and we have forgotten the full effective knowledge that God gives through fellowship of believers that is unique you are called to share together to learn about the Lord. It's not a solo mission. But you're not just called to show up. Guess what scripture says? You're called to contribute. Look in your Bible with me, the last passage of scripture we'll look at today. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 Verse 12 through 15 says it this way. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission. And that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and that the generosity of your contribution for them 
and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Now listen, if you have your Bible and you, you kind of have subheadings, you can look all the way back to verse 6, right? Verse 6 of my Bible titles this section, The Cheerful Giver, right? If, if we're preaching about tithing, if we're teaching about giving, this is a passage we want to go to because you should be, you should be giving unto the Lord. But listen, that giving is sown throughout this, but listen to where koinonia is found. It, it may surprise you. Look in verse 13. This is, this is sweet stuff. By the approval of the service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from the confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your koinonia the generosity of your koinonia for them and for all others generosity is talking about what they gave that they contributed something koinonia the word contribution describes the manner in which they gave which got, brought God so much glory have you ever thought about that I mean we know when we consider the things of this world the things of this life we understand that, that you know it's the weakest link but, but do you know that in the body of Christ the way that God has designed us that we are all called to contribute together so that's when Paul's writing to the Corinthians. I, I don't care what each individual put in. It, it's, it's not about, you know, this person only gave some, some coins and this person gave thousands. Paul doesn't make a list of contributors. He doesn't give them a brick to go on the pathway to the church. Amen? There's no plaques on ice machines. Because the identity of the individual only has value as a part of the body and so the generosity is key but it was the koinonia how it was given that was radical that was life altering Paul's a preacher he knew who the big pockets were in the church he could have pulled them aside and said, listen, I know someone in need. You need to write a check. But that wasn't the Spirit. The Spirit says is, it's, it's the generosity of the koinonia that matters. And so when you and I commit to being a member of the First Baptist Church in Pearland, let me tell you the beginning of the vision that you are saying God has called me to be a community of faith and a part of a community of faith that glorifies God and that happens here by buying in by owning with my whole being that I'm joining a fellowship of partners who shares and contributes.
to the mission of God together. That is the church our Savior died for. And the call, I will give every breath, every breath to. And so the invitation from our vision team is, is God calling you to that community. Is that what you have surrendered your life to when you said, I want to be a part of the bride of Jesus Christ? Welcome to First Baptist Church. Father God, This is who you made us to be. This in your design was to let us know that in this world as we await the bridegroom's return that we would be living the precursor, the joy of what eternally awaits us perfectly. And so Jesus, right now, we praise you for your indescribable gift. Lord, today, from this moment on, Lord, when we say that we are a community of faith to bring you glory, God, which you set upon the heart of every believer, every man, woman, and child that has committed to a deep fellowship, a partnership because of the gospel, Lord, would you set your mission on our heart that we are to share in and you have called us and designed us to contribute to. For your glory, we surrender our life. And Lord Jesus, if there's a man or woman or child watching or in this room that does not know that community, Father, I pray right now that you would let your spirit speak into them, that they, they are called, you are, you are wooing them to be a part of that community through the gospel not through membership, not, not through a man-made avenue, but through the gospel, the testimony of your story, of the fallenness of man, the sinfulness of our heart, and the redemption of newness of life that comes only through professing and accepting your son as that propitiation. Hmm. As the one who paid our debt and atoned for our sin. And through him, God,
through submission to him as Lord, Lord, every man, woman, and child can join such a community as you have designed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.